Thank you for listening to this message from Resurrection Life Church in Granville, Michigan. Hey, I was reading a book yesterday and I found this. This is a young man who wanted to get married in the worst way. He brought home a young lady, but his mother didn't like her. He proceeded to bring home a second girl, but his mother didn't like her either. But he followed this up with two more girls and his mother didn't like either one of those. Finally, he found a girl that looked like his mother, dressed like his mother, talked like his mother, and acted like his mother. And when he brought her home to meet his parents, his father didn't like her. Oh, my goodness. That's a bad one. Okay, let's see if I can do better. Um, well, mine actually has, I like mine because I relate with, with my funny story because um, this has to do with what I married you for. Well, that, that, listen, I was taking a shower, all right? And she opens the door. We're married. This is legal, all right? She opens the door and she peeks in and she says to me, she says, I want you to do what I married you for. And I smile. And she, she, she sticks in a pickle jar and says, can you open this? I was like, one of the biggest disappointments of my life. Okay. Well, besides the pickle jar, I hate having to do anything with the car. I don't, I don't like to deal with the car. Fill it with gas. Do whatever. I don't want. I just, yeah. yeah so I, I, that's my job. I, yeah, I'll do. I'll change light bulbs. I'll do everything else in the house, but not the car. And so anyway, here's a wife. She comes to her husband and says, "There's trouble with the car. It has water in the carburetor." And the water. Uh, the husband says, "Water in the carburetor? That's ridiculous." Well, I tell you, the car has water in the carburetor. The wife said. And the husband said, you don't even know what a carburetor is, but I'll check it out. Where's the car? In the pool, she said. (laughs) She's right. All right. So we're going to talk to you beginning today about the four laws of marriage. And a lot of marriages struggle because they don't have the right information. They don't develop the skills that are needed to resolve conflicts in marriage. And conflicts do arise. Right. Again, 1 Corinthians 7 says, those who marry will have troubles. Zzz, 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 zzz. All right. More than one. All right. You're going to have troubles. Zzz, zzz. All right. It's plural. But really, when I want you to think about this, most people do not have marriage problems. Most people have single problems that they bring into their marriage. They didn't go over well, but it's true. All right. Let me show you. All right. This is what happened to me. All right. We're in Bible school and we get married. All right. I, I, I read my Bible. I read 20 chapters a day. I pray between three and four hours a day and we get married. And all of a sudden, I mean, I got there, there's stuff's going on. I mean, I said, to God, I said, God, what is wrong? I have backslid because I was so spiritual, but now I'm not. Right? And the Lord spoke to me as clear as a bell. And he said, no, you didn't backslide. You were always a mess. You just didn't know it. It just came out when you got married. Because how many of you know when you're single, you get to do what you want, when you want, with who you want, however you want. You get to eat what you want. You can do everything you want. And then you get married. And then you do what she wants. What we want. What we want. What we want. What we want. Okay. But, but literally, it was such a shock to my system. I thought I was spiritual. And then I got married and I found out I was a mess. Okay. Because instead of living for yourself, all of a sudden... You have to lay down your life. How many of you know the Bible says to the man, it says, love your, your wife like Christ loved the church and gave his life or sacrificed his life for her. 
All right? And we're supposed to lay down our life for our wife. And when you're single, you don't need to do that. You can think you're awesome. But then you get married and find out the truth. Well, no, really, you are awesome. You're just not as awesome as you're going to be. <laughs> okay. Half of couples. I got to tell them this. I wouldn't have married you if I didn't think you were spiritual and awesome. Just, just to remind them. Okay. Okay. Half of couples who marry live together before they marry in the United States. All right. And they do this because they think that they're going to avoid problems by doing this. Right. But it actually, instead of avoiding those problems, it increases those problems. A number of years ago, USA Today had an article entitled, Cohabiting Makes Marriage an Iffy Proposition. The researcher was Dr. Scott Stanley. Let me give you a few quotes from the article. Men who cohabit with women they eventually married are less committed to the union than men who never lived with their spouse ahead of time. Men who want to test marriage out first are less committed to the institution in general and the partner specifically. The divorce rate among those who live together is higher than among those who have not. Experts say that those who choose to cohabit are not great believers in marriage in the first place. Now, here was their conclusion. Listen to this. So if you want somebody to marry, choose somebody who will not live with you before you're married. If you want a great marriage... Choose somebody who will not live with you before you're married. He better live with you after you're married. Oh, absolutely. Definitely. Absolutely. All right. So marriage is God's plan, God's idea. God created the institution of marriage. In Genesis 2.24, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife or cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Now, somebody said, well, we love each other. We love each other and... You know, God knows that we're really married in his eyes. Well, Jesus comes to the woman at the well and says to her, you've had five husbands and the guy you're living with now is you're not married. You're not married to him. Now they were living together. Did that make them married? No, it didn't. All right. Now, when you do marriage God's way, it works. Right. But when you do marriage the world's way, you get the world's results. Let me just say this, focus not on changing your spouse's behavior, but focus on changing your own behavior. And in Genesis 2, in 18, it says, for it's not good for man to be alone. Now, I know that probably 35% of the adults that are here are single, right? Now, most of you are going to get married or you want to get married, right? Now, there is an exception there is a call to being single. The Apostle Paul talks about that. Right? But when a person has that call on their life, they really do not want to get married. All right? So if you want to be married, then you're not that person that has the, that's the exception. In fact, I've been asked several times to preach at marriage seminars. It's going to be marriage single. Seminars, sing, single seminars. And I always turn them down. And you say, why? Well, I just don't have any single messages. I've been married for 40 years, all right? And God's plan for most people is for you to be married. There are exceptions, all right? Now, in I, fact... Oh, I just want to interrupt here and, and remind you, um, because I read this 
blog with all these comments from single people the other day, and a lot of them were saying, well, you know, if God wants us to um, not have sex before we're married and, and not cohabit, habit, habitate, whatever, you know, living together. And um, then why did he put such this burning desire for sex inside of us if, if we can't fulfill it? That's not right. And the thing is, God put that desire in you so that it would drive you to find a wife and to find a husband. Otherwise, you'd go through life just living for yourself and being happy to be alone. And, and it's, that's because... You know, you're going to live like 80 years maybe with this woman or with this man. You better have some desire <laughs> for him or for her because you, you're going to enjoy each other the rest of your life. And that takes a lot of desire. So it's just, it's a God-given gift and it's, it's to prepare and draw you towards marriage, not, not to try to act married before you're married. Yeah, and groups that demand celibacy, especially of, of their, their ministers, their pastors, or their priests, how many of you know that they've had a lot of trouble? You know, it says here in 1 Timothy 4, it says, The Spirit speaks expressly, saying that in the latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. The first one that's mentioned, the first one that's mentioned is forbidding to marry, right? Now, there are the exceptions, but it's not because they're forced to do it. The Apostle Paul says, 1 Corinthians 9, 5, do we, not, do we not have the right to take along a believing wife, as also do the other apostles, the brothers of the Lord and Cephas? He's saying we have a right to take along, as we travel, a believing spouse. But he said we don't, we don't have that inclination. We don't want to. We are gifted to not do that. Now, 9 out of 10 married men, listen, all you married guys, you're going to like this. 9 out of 10 married men live to be 65. Single or divorced men, only six out of 10 live to be 65. It is not good for a man to be alone, all right? It is good for you to be married. And, and by the way, I'm not even close to 65 yet, and uh, you're, you're, you're stuck with Jeannie and I for a long time, all right? Anybody, somebody's wondered... You know, is there some sort of a secession plan? Who's going to take your place? I'm not leaving. All right? I am going nowhere. All right? We do not have a secession plan. Anything you thought was there is not there. All right? Um, many of you know this. Some of you don't. I'm not even sure the exact number. Someplace between 25 and 30 churches that we've started out of this church. Uh, several of those run one, two, three, even 4,000 on a weekend, 5,000 on a weekend. And uh, it could be one of them, but we, one of the pastors that's there, it could be somebody up and coming on our staff. We do not know, all right? But listen, we plan to be here as long as we are effective, all right? Now, if you're thinking, well, I'm just going to wait him out, you've got a long time, trust me. You've got a long, long time. We're going nowhere, all right? Going nowhere. And, it, when, it, and when, it, when it comes time, everybody's going to know, it's going to be obvious that God has raised up the next leader. This is his church. So it's not good for man to be alone, right? Now, there are four laws, basic laws of marriage that God lays out, right? And when we follow the laws, there's order, there's blessing, right? But when we don't follow those laws, we end up with confusion and we end up with chaos, 
right? You violate the laws of marriage and they will hurt you. Somebody said, well, I'm just going to break the law. No, you don't break the law. The law hurts you. You climb up on a five-story building, you get on the roof, and you say, I'm going to break the law of gravity. How many of you know what? The law of gravity will hurt you. It will hurt you. And the same thing is true when it comes to the laws of marriage. If you violate those laws, you break those laws, you might think you're getting away with something. The truth is they hurt you. Right? There, is a, there is a price that's paid. All right? And it really is confusion and it's a disintegration that takes place inside the marriage relationship. Now, the first one of the laws is the law of priority. Again, Genesis 2.24. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother, cleave or be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Here's the law. When you get married, your spouse... Under God becomes your number one priority. God first and then your spouse. Before you're married, your number one priority is family. Father, mother, siblings, they're your priority. But once you get married, that changes. They slip down. And under God, your number one priority becomes your wife, becomes your spouse, whoever that is. And if you let anything take that place, there's going to be problems. You cannot let your career You cannot let your kids, your hobbies, money, friends, church, anything that takes that place will cause problems, damages the relationship. Now, you keep honoring. I I got to. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I just just full of interruptions today. But um, I get the picture. I get the picture when he's talking about the priority. I picture a car and, you know, the oil is a priority that. That's what the car needs. And so you put oil in the car because that's the priority. You wouldn't say, well, I'm going to put lemonade in instead of oil. Because, no, the priority is what fits it, what's best for it, what makes it function well, and and the way it's going to work well. And so I would suggest oil instead of lemonade. Okay. So when we violate the law of priority, it damages the marriage relationship. Right. Now, we've been talking a little bit. You're, the, the parents, you no longer, they are no longer your number one priority under God. Now, you keep honoring your parents. Listen to this. This is Ephesians, New Testament. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. So God's saying you want a better life, honor your parents. But that does not mean that they are your number one priority. All right. Now, my mother is 86 years old, all right? I see her almost every day that we're in town. If we're there, if we're in town, I go and see my mother. Now, she lived with us for quite a while, and finally, we, we could not keep her at our home any longer. Um, our neighbors called us up. We had just left for like 15 minutes, and she was, we live on Wilson Avenue. She's, on, she's in the middle of Wilson Avenue with her cane, all right? And she is flagging cars down, and she wants a ride to the bank, all right? And, and they said, well, where do you live? She says, well, those people there, they left. I think she said, we left three days ago. We've been gone for 10 or 15 minutes. And they said, well, who is that? And she said, I don't know, but the people that are there. She didn't know who we were. All right? In fact, I see her again almost every day, and she thinks that I'm her husband, my dad. I look like my dad. All right? And so she thinks I'm her dad. But I go and see her every day. I talk to her, tell her what's going on. I pray with her. Love um, her. We, we love on her. We honor her, but she is not 
my number one priority under God. My number one priority under God is right here, all right? And I spend a lot more time here than I do with mother. We keep honoring her, right? And to honor them, that doesn't mean you agree with them about everything, you know? But you want to have a better life? Forgive them and show them honor. And God said, it is a commandment with a promise, right? Now, when it comes to this law of priority, when you violate the law, something happens. Let me just give you a couple of scriptures here. Exodus 34, verse 14. For you shall worship no other God before the Lord your God, whose name is Jealous. And he is a jealous God. Now, God describes himself as jealous. And how many know that jealousy is not always wrong? God is saying when you make anything more important than God, that thing becomes an idol in your life. That's what an idol is. An idol is not some statue. That can be an idol, but an idol is anything that is more important to you than God. And he said, when that happens, God says, I become jealous. And the same thing happens in marriage. When you let anything, whether it's your career, your money, your kids, your hobbies, when you let it take first place, God gets jealous. But when you let it take the place where your spouse should be, when it becomes number two under God instead of your spouse, your spouse also will become jealous. I like to say it this way. When you get married, the Bible says that God makes the two one. And I like to say that he puts a jealous meter inside you. And anytime something, hobbies, friends, job, money, kids, whatever it is, anytime that that thing becomes more important than your spouse, that jealousy-o-meter begins to go off, all right? And you say, what happened? You, you want to interrupt? Uh, no, no, you're not interrupting. You're going to insert. Insert. <laughs> uh, just the, the, when we use the word jealous, so often we have a connotation of, of the kind of um, comparison, comparing and competing and, and greed and I'm jealous. I want what you want kind of jealousy of, of five-year-olds and 10 year You know, we still have that picture and, and we really need to put that aside to get the picture of that. This kind of jealousy is a um, pro- protecting what's vital and important for your health. You know, I'm, I'm jealous over... Um, my feet. I watch over my feet. I don't just let them stick out here and get run over by a car. You know, I just, I protect it. It's a protective kind of thing with a relationship. It's not a, I'm going to choke you and you're going to want everything I want. <laughs> uh, you know, it's not the kind of, it's okay. all about me. And, and really when we talk about priorities, um, if you go into marriage thinking, okay, you know, priority, Dwayne said, prioritize. And um, my marriage is going to be a priority. It's what I want. I want what I expect, what I need, what I, I'm going to keep that first and I'm going to demand, that's going to be my, this is my priority. Honey, you're going to do it my way. Um, That's not what he's talking, that's not what we're talking about, about prioritizing the marriage. having Having your spouse be a priority is not an excuse for yourself. It's about the spouse. It's about putting the other person, um, valuing them, putting them, them first. You know, if you are on the throne in your heart, 
um, and you're what's most important, you're going to keep getting knocked off all the time. Uh, there's going to be things that, that you're not going to get your way and things aren't going to happen. And, and you're going to be knocked off that and, and that hurts to get knocked off. If you're playing king of the mountain and you go into marriage thinking you're going to play king of the mountain in your marriage too, you're going to get knocked off the mountain a lot. But if you put Jesus on the throne and he's the first priority and um, you don't have to worry about getting knocked off the throne, then it's easier to put your spouse first. And it's easier to balance and get the right priorities because Jesus is the one on the throne. You're not worshiping your husband. He's not worshiping you. You're both worshiping God and serving God by serving each other. And it just helps to keep the balance, the priority balanced. Now, when you were dating or courting, you focused on each other. You made that person your main priority. I mean, you'd call him up and you'd talk and you would be considerate. And you found stuff to do together and you focused on each other. But what can happen is you get married and children come along, right? And what could happen is then you begin to focus on the children and they become the number one priority, right? Or that husband, he might begin to focus on a career or sports or hobby, you know? And what happens then, there's this cycle of neglect and there begins to be bickering. And you hear stuff like this. Well, you're never home. You're always gone. You're always at work. You never help me. Or you're always busy with the kids. You never have time for me. I'm just a paycheck to you. Right? And that sort of stuff goes on. And that bickering literally begins to to cause the marriage relationship to deteriorate. And what has happened is you have violated the law of priority. Right? Your spouse needs to know that they are the number one priority in your life under God. In Ephesians 5, it says to the husband, love your wife like Christ loved the church and gave himself or sacrificed himself for her, right? So how do we maintain proper priorities? Well, first, it needs to be proven in real terms, not just words. So you sacrifice for your spouse, right? You leave your father and your mother. Right? Now, that doesn't mean you physically go to the other side of the country. All right? That doesn't mean you stop honoring them. But what it does mean is it means you put your spouse first. Years ago, we had a couple in the church. They'd probably been married for six months. All right? And they came to see me. Back then, I did marriage counseling. I don't do marriage counseling anymore because I'm not any good at it. All right? People tell me what's wrong, and I say, all right, admit it, quit it, get out of here. Let's pray. I mean, that's, that's me, okay? We got Merle. Merle, wave it, everybody. Merle is the best marriage counselor I know, all right? Merle was my pastor when I got saved, all right? Hey, you go see Merle. You don't want to see me, all right? But they came to see me. They didn't know better, all right? So they come to see me. And, and, and I say, well, what's wrong? And this is what she says. she says. She says to me, she says, well, every night he goes to his mother's. She calls up and says, I need you to move the piano. Next night she calls up. She says, I need you to come over and cut the grass. The next night, I need you to come over. And I got these light bulbs that need to be changed. The next night, he needs to come over. I need you to come over, change the oil on my car. And the next night, I need you to come over. I just made an apple pie, and I need you to come and have some of this apple pie. And he keeps going every night, every night, every night, every night. And she's like, her her jealousy meter's going crazy, right? Because he has not left father and mother. Now, you can tell if you haven't really cut the apron strings the way that you should. Right? When you fear 
your in-laws or your parents' response. You see, as a couple, you should be able to talk together, pray together, and make a decision and not fear what mom and dad are going to say or fear what the in-laws are going to say. Do you consider their, 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 their thoughts or their opinions? Yeah, but you make a decision and you do not let what somebody else thinks keep you from doing what you two believe is right. right? You got to cut those apron strings. All right? um, you need to defend your spouse. Right? You may have a relative or, or a, somebody who's chopping down your spouse. You know, that, they're no good. They're this, they're that. You, know? you, you need to defend your spouse and be willing to leave other relationships, friendships. All right? And you need to make your spouse your best friend. Hopefully they are, but make them your best friend, right? And you... Really what, what he's saying, a lot of this is just on purpose things. I, I've said this before in other times, but, but on purpose you choose to um, think of the other person. On purpose you decide what, what is going to be best for him on or her. You, you on purpose make... It, that's, that's what a habit is. A habit of becomes something that you've done on purpose, on purpose, on purpose, until pretty soon it becomes automatic. Um, and he, he has that place in my life of priority and importance. We do things together. We, yeah, it's, doing things together is huge. It's important if you're going to have each other be a priority. Yeah. So you need to give your spouse time that is commensurate with their priority. If they're your number one priority under God, you need to give them time. Let them know. And put energy and passion into the relationship. Right? I will give the energy that's needed to meet your needs. I'm going to do that. All right? That shows that they are a priority. Right? And then have this attitude. I love being with you. Right? Now, I got a lot of guy friends, but I don't care what my guy friends and I do. I'd rather do stuff with Jeannie. Right? I'd rather go fishing with her. I make her go hunting with me. I mean, we just, I, just, I just drag her along. Okay, but there's a whole, it's a different story when he says we do things together. Well, we do things According together to the, man, the guy way. How many you know there's a girl way a and a guy way? way. You know different. that, right? It's really different. Well, like. Should I tell him? <laughs> tell him. Just tell him. Okay. Well, like hunting. Um. He, I, when I finally, the kids grew up enough, I could go out in the woods with him to, to hunt. And, and so we go out in one of my first hunting trips. I shot the bow with him. I got all practiced. And, and then um, I didn't have all the hunting gear. And so he puts me in some of his extra outfits. So, you know, I have to tie the pants on with string. And, and I'm using his boots because mine were too stinky. I had to use these big rubber boots that he had because you can't smell. Scent free. Scent, Scent free. free. That's what... I'm sorry. I've, yeah. Scent free. Um, Got to use the right terminology. So we go out in the woods and he puts me in the corner tree. He says, you know, you climb here. And then he went miles away. No, 300 <laughs> yards. 300 yards. Through the Not... tree. Gone. I couldn't see him. He was like gone far, far away. And I'm alone there standing at the bottom of this tree in these great big boots with these big baggy pants tied on. And, and um, to, the the first little they put these little foot thingies little screws you know you're supposed to step on to climb the tree well it was like up about here and I couldn't get 
I couldn't get my foot up high enough, so I had to jump up to grab the bottom branch. And every time I'd jump up to grab the bottom branch, I'd jump right out of his boots. <laughs> and so I did that a couple times, and finally I took the boots and, and threw them up in the tree and had to climb up barefoot. And anyway, I, so I get up in the tree and, and sit there and do all the things the hunter's supposed to do and wait, and, and I, got a, I got a deer. And, and then I got a deer. So we bought two deer that night. So I'm okay. so excited. He's going to be so excited. I'm so excited. And we get to the, the car and we load up the, the deer and we're on our way home. We have meat. Yes, we did it. And then he's just just like giddy like a little kid at Christmas. Like, oh, it's a, wasn't that fun? We hunted together. And I'm thinking. Together, we were together. We went hunting Together. Together. He was like a quarter mile away. He was far away. I never even could see him. He couldn't hear me. He couldn't see me. And, but he's saying we did it together. Yes. All right. Now, now girls, you've got to understand that about us guys. Well, but we didn't even talk. I got to tell <laughs> that you, That made though. it great. So then... <laughs> <laughs> That's dangerous. So... They should take that off the tape. So last, <laughs> last year, take that off the I got to tell you, last year when we went hunting, oh. we, we both had our cell phones. Now, the new technology's changed everything. Yeah, so I'm sitting in the tree and I'm texting him. Oh, there comes two. Oh, there comes three. Oh, no, there's four coming. Oh, my goodness. Oh, no, those are babies. I can't shoot them because their mom is with them. And, uh, and you know, just said, like. She said, the mom's big. I said, shoot her. I'm no, no. And, shoot I, her. and <laughs> so I'm just, I'm texting him. Oh, now there's, oh, there's bucks. Oh, my, there's. I see seven. I'm just, I had him all over me, like this big party going on, and I'm texting him, and, and he's telling me, shoot, 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 shoot. shoot. <laughs> and and was, she did. She did. I finally got one, but it was funny because he didn't see any, probably because I was texting him so much, and, and the flashes of his, his phone flashing up in the tree or something chased him okay. all off. But that was my way of hunting with him. I was hunting with you. That's right. You got it. Okay. So your attitude is, <laughs> I love being with you. All right. Not just hunting, but other stuff too. All right. And how many of you ever been to a retail store and you ask the clerk for something and they're like, no, do, do, do you have, I don't think so. I mean, they're deader than Julius Caesar. They could care less. In fact, they wish you'd just get out of there. All right. That's not, that's not the attitude that you have in marriage. You put energy, you put passion into your marriage. You worked at it when you were single to, to, to that relationship. And when you get married, you keep on working at it, right? Your spouse needs to be your number one priority under God. Years ago, some of you will remember James DeMello. Anybody remember James kind of wave at him. James is Mr. Teenage America. Uh, he and his, his wife attended here, and uh, he was an evangelist, right? But he told me that when, when he became Mr. Teenage America, he just got so into bodybuilding, um, he said that he neglected his first wife. He said, and, and bodybuilding was my life. He said, the gym was my life. He said, and, and the result was, he said, that my marriage fell apart. Why? Because he violated the law of priority, right? It can be the gym. It can be kids. Why do, why do we find sometimes couples in their 40s and in their 50s been married for a couple decades, sometimes two, three decades, and all of a sudden they're getting a divorce? 
The reason is because they built their marriage around their kids. And how many of you know kids leave? They grow up. We love kids. And they multiply. They grow up and they leave. All right? You know, and one of my my friends says there's two great things about it. All right? Number one, once your kids leave, you're rich. (laughs) Because kids are expensive. All right? And secondly, you can finally run around the house in your underwear. You haven't been able to do that for 25 years. But it's great. Right? But if you build your, your relationship around your kids and they leave, what's left? You really don't know that person. They were not your priority. All right? So your kids are a priority, but your first priority is God. Your second priority is your spouse. Right. And the thing when he's talking with kids is, is that not that they're, they don't take a lot of attention and um, you, you invest a lot of time into your children, but it's together. And I remember when we had our first child and Dwayne was gone at least four days a week, usually traveling in the mountains. This was in Mexico. And I would write down anything that happened so I could share with him, like Joshua didn't know was learning to talk and he didn't know the word and it didn't, because he didn't know words, it didn't stop him from talking. And he'd come in and he says, oh, mom, I'm painting. He'd cut himself. He was bleeding, but he didn't know the word bleeding. So he says, I'm painting. And then another time he says, mom, I hurt the plastic part of my finger. And uh, just those funny things. So I jot them down and write them so that I could share it with Mm -hmm. Dwayne so he could participate. We were, it wasn't just, oh, I'm just enjoying the my children all by myself. And when you have a blended marriage, this is really important too, that you don't just, oh, this is my kids and I'm just going to enjoy them. And I, I love them more and I enjoy them more, but you help you each other, you enjoy them together and you on purpose invest in doing this together. That's really, um, I'm prioritizing the father because I'm letting him participate in the, the job of raising the children, and we do it together. And as you do this with your children, I think it helps them grow up more balanced and able to then be able to enter into a relationship knowing that, you know what? A family isn't all about everybody taking care of me first. Mm-hmm. But they had the example of the, the serving and the giving together, and, and a great family is about um, everybody participating and the team f- we all are an important part in it, and they see it as you both recognize the importance. I recognize the importance of, of the dad, and he recognizes my importance. And so the law of priority says God first, then your spouse, then your family, and then other things fall under that. And when we do marriage God's way, our marriage will be blessed. For more information about Res Life, please visit our website at reslife.org. If you have questions about Res Life or would like directions to visit us, please feel free to call 616-534-4923.